miracles? Are Christians crazy to believe in them? Are Christians crazy to believe in miracles? Now, I wanna say this, that I'm not an apologist. I wish I was, and neither am I a philosopher. I wish I was, but I'm neither of those two things. I'm just a pastor who believes the story of Jesus, believes that it changes lives and neighborhoods and churches and the world. So I'm going to touch a little bit on philosophy. I'm going to touch a little bit on apologetics this morning, but I'm not an expert in either of those things. So if you push me too hard, I'll fail. (laughs) So I do understand why so many people do have a problem with miracles, I genuinely do. That there are a lot of people who have major problems with miracles. And, and part of that is that often the miraculous is abused. People in, in undergo spiritual abuse in the name of miracles. I can remember as a teenager going to the States, it was back in the days, uh, TV was pretty new in our country, you know, it was the three channels, limited time, all that kind of stuff. And I remember being exposed to Christian TV networks for the first time. And, and I'll, I'll never forget sitting, watching a man sitting behind a very beautiful desk, talking in the name of God and appealing, guess what, for money, and, and, and literally, Unfortunately, this person is still on some TV channels. And, and he, he spoke and then he went, just a minute, just a minute. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'll tell them. God has just told me that if you send in money now, and I understand why some people see that and go, no. Because I see it and go, no. Some people have been, have experienced spiritual abuse in the form of people telling them that they didn't get the miracle they asked for because they didn't have enough faith. I'm, I'm essentially a nonviolent person. I genuinely am. I genuinely am. But when I hear people telling parents of children who have terminal illnesses that their children haven't been healed because the parents don't have enough faith. It tests how nonviolent I am. It just makes me incredibly sad and incredibly angry because it's absolute garbage and has no basis in scripture to tell people that they didn't get the miracle they wanted because they didn't have enough faith. That is not Christianity, that's sympathetic magic. That's the thing that says if you do this then the God must do that. And that means there's a God who's not in charge. That whole idea of if you do this, then God will do that. God will do what he chooses. Not what our actions demand that he does. And I understand why people often don't believe in miracles because of spiritual abuse. 
also understand why people don't believe in miracles because they've witnessed fake miracles. I didn't even bother to put the pictures up. You've all got them in your heads of, of, of people all over the world who, who claim miracles, who, who demand miracles, who say if you come to such and such a place, you will receive a miracle. And almost always, some kind of fake miracle is involved that anybody can really see through if they just think about it for a little bit. So I understand why people often don't believe in miracles. There's another reason why people don't believe in miracles and that's because they have a worldview that says miracles can't happen. And, and that's a legitimate worldview, a person's allowed to have any worldview, but there's a worldview that says miracles simply can't happen because there is no other world. There's no other world. Now, this morning, I want to I, I define miracles as this. The interference by the supernatural world in the natural world. That's a very broad definition, okay? So, and that's the one I want to use. That a miracle is any time that the supernatural world or another world interferes in this world's natural order. This idea that there's a worldview that says there can't be miracles is nothing new. Or a world that demands a certain thing in order for something to be true. So in our world, if you want to test if somebody, something is true, somebody says, prove it. Prove it. It's not a new thing. It goes all the way back to Bible times. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 1. This is Paul writing. Understand that Paul was not intellectually a stunted person. Paul was incredibly well educated. He was educated by some of the top Jewish rabbis. He was very well educated. And he travels and he presents the gospel and he says this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22 to 25. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now he's saying, I understand that in a Jewish worldview, they want to see some sign, which is a word for a miracle. They want to see something miraculous in order to prove whether something comes from God or not. In the Greek worldview, it said, well, if I want to believe in God, you must prove him to me. You must come up with an incredibly clever argument so that I will believe in him. It's a worldview. It says, this is how I put the world together. We all have them, and often we don't really investigate our worldview. But we have them. They're a thing we grow up with. And so, what about me? What about you? Are you a naturalist? And by that I mean, do you mean that this natural world is all there is? 
that this natural world is absolutely all there is. It's a system, it works together, it's, that's what it is. Or do you have a worldview like mine that says, actually, I'm a supernaturalist. I believe that this natural world isn't all there is. There is another world, and I might even possibly say other worlds that are possible. And I believe they exist. If you're a naturalist, the rest of my sermon's not gonna make sense because, because I have a different worldview. But if you are a naturalist, if you say that this world is all there is, I wanna ask you to do this, to honestly interrogate that worldview, to honestly go and look and read and, and, and study some philosophy and some science to prove to yourself why you hold that worldview. If you're a supernaturalist, welcome to my world. And so I want to give you this morning four reasons why I believe in miracles. I'm not going to try and prove anything to you because by definition, what is unknown can't be proved. But I am gonna give you reasons why I believe in miracles. Firstly, I believe in miracles because I do believe in a supernatural world. I hold to the fact that there is something outside of this world. Now, I've gotta say this, you don't have to be a Christian to hold that view. Many people who say, do you believe in God? They say, no, I don't believe in God. I believe there's a force or there's something more. As soon as somebody says that, that there's more to this world than what, what is concretely touchable and what, then they're a supernaturalist. So it, you don't have to believe in God, but to believe in miracles, you have to be a supernaturalist. You have to believe that there's something more out there. And I honestly believe with all my heart that there is something more out there. And so the door for me begins to open. And so I can, for that reason, begin to believe in miracles. Just like those Greeks and Jews did. But by arguing with Paul, by saying, no, 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 we want to have a discussion here. They were opening the door to say there's got to be more. The second reason I believe in miracles is that if I didn't, my faith that I built my whole life on would be impossible. So that's kind of a negative argument. But if I didn't believe in miracles, the faith that I build my whole life on would be impossible. See, Christianity is built on the idea that miracles are possible. In fact, there's one central miracle and it's summed up in John chapter one, verse 14. It says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So so by definition, Christianity, that's the central miracle that God, who's outside of this world, stepped into this world. C.S. Lewis, who's helped me a lot with this sermon, 
said this, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became a man. Now, as far as I've been able to understand other religions, and I've done some study, but I understand that whenever you study another religion, you are terribly, terribly biased against it. That's just how we are as human beings. I've studied other religions, and no other religion asserts that a God became a fully complete human being. Other religions claim that God's taken on human forms, but Christianity asserts that God became fully human. And so I have to, in a sense, believe in miracles. Because without it, the faith I have built my life on can't be a real faith. It is a philosophy or a hope. And it is much more than that for me. Which also means that in my worldview, science and the Bible can both be true. I often confront people who, who, who've been set up to believe that science and the Bible contradict each other. I don't believe they do. I do believe that there are times when they look like they're contradicting each other. I do believe that there are times when there's two, lots of evidence that look like they contradict each other, but I don't fundamentally think that at their core, science and the Bible contradict each other. I believe they can both be true. St. Augustine, one of the church fathers said this, miracles are not contrary to nature, but only contrary to what we know about nature. I love that. And, and, and we've seen that over the years, science has been able to explain things that were complete mysteries. It doesn't necessarily mean they weren't miracles. We'll get there. But science and theology change and develop. Do you know these things you believe that, that Moses didn't believe about God? There's stuff that Moses didn't believe about God that you believe because scripture has taught us more and more and God came into the world as Jesus and showed us. C.S. Lewis says this, in, in science we have, we have been reading only the notes to a poem. In Christianity we find the poem itself. I love that picture. You see, the problem is that theology and science don't play in exactly the same field. They both involve the world, they involve, in, involve explaining how the world works. But one of them does it through a particular method of investigating and looking at and analyzing. And the other one does it mostly through metaphors. Have you ever thought about the metaphors we use for God that are both truthful and untruthful at the same time. Like we say, God is a rock. That's essentially not true, because God isn't a rock. But it is true, because it helps us understand more of the nature of God that we can't explain in words because God is too great. But it helps us understand a particular kind of aspect of God. And although that 
are times when these two things seem to clash. I really don't believe they will, in the end, contradict each other completely. One more thing that Lewis said is this. Theology offers you a working arrangement which leaves the scientist free to continue his experiments and the Christian to continue his prayers. I love that. We can both experiment with this world and pray about this world. And those two things don't contradict each other. So I believe that miracles are possible because my worldview says, without it I can't hold the faith I hold. There's a third reason that I believe miracles are possible is because I have seen miracles happen. Now we can get into a discussion about did you really, John, did And I wanna say this, I'm a skeptic. I ask questions about everything. Everything, everything, it annoys my family no end. But I don't go through life in a cloud. I ask questions about everything. And I've seen miracles happen. And I, and I wanna name two of them that I've actually seen, and one's about ovaries and the other one's about addictions. There are many more, but two that I know. I remember once praying in a church service for people to be healed. And, and we're praying for all sorts of people, four, five, six people, and a very good family friend of ours was on that Monday going to go into hospital to have cysts removed from her ovaries. She'd had tests done, they were clearly there, they were causing her long-term medical issues. She'd had the x-rays and the scans done, and Monday she was going into hospital, and she asked, can we pray for that? And we were praying for all sorts of people, and I prayed for her, her name is Marie Achstadt. And I can only say that I felt something weird when I prayed. I, I, I can't, it just didn't, my body felt weird, it just did. I, and finished this church service and everybody went home. Four o'clock the next day I got a phone call from Marie to say, listen, don't come and see me in hospital. Why? Well, I, I was book, they were booking me in and, and before they did the, the op, they did another lot of tests cysts, gone, not there. Now I wish I could give you a whole list of miracles that I've prayed for and people have been healed like that, I can't. That's the only one that comes to mind, but I was there. Second one belong, is about addictions. Twice in my life, I've prayed for people who are addicts. I, with respect to addicts, guys, I, those of you who are addicts here, you, you have my absolute admiration. You guys are amazing. Twice in my life, I've prayed for people who've had addictions, and the addictions have instantaneously disappeared. One was an alcohol addiction, the other one was addiction to smoking. And they were prayed for, and instantaneously, their addictions went away. They didn't need it anymore. 
But there's another set of miracles that I see in addicts all the time. And that's those whose addictions don't go away. I mean, all of us have some or other addiction, don't we? How, how well controlled was your eating over Christmas? Just asking. I don't want to make light of addictions, but it's true. You sit there and your stomach is full. In fact, you're uncomfortable. But you remember that somebody gave you that amazing chocolate. The miracle, I love chocolate too. But that, that, that miracle, people like Dave McEverly and others in our church, who've been able to say no every single day for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's a miracle. I believe in miracles because I have seen them happen. I also lastly believe in miracles because I have experienced miracles. I've experienced miracles in my own life. I, you've probably heard one or two of the stories in my life of when I know God has just done something that, that couldn't happen any other way than God did it. One of my favorite stories is the story of a helicopter ride that I got when I was doing disaster relief work in Sri Lanka. We needed to get a, a water purifier from one side of Sri Lanka to the other. And, and we could have done it by road, but it would have taken a really long time, and I didn't want to do it, quite frankly. I wanted to fly. But I got hold of the, the, the organization that was doing the flying in Sri Lanka, and a lady answered the phone with a kind of a Portuguese accent. The, the company's name was AirServe, and, and we had this conversation, and I said to her, listen, ma'am, can we get the helicopter? She said, no, sorry, it's impossible. We've only got one chopper, and the United Nations are using it. It, it can't be done. And then I said to her, excuse me, is your name Sangarika? And she said, yes. Now, you guys know how bad I am with names. You know, if you ask me at the door what your name is, you can be my wife and I'll get it wrong. You know I'm bad with names. She said, yes, my name is Sangarika. I said, Sangarika, we know each other. She said, that's impossible. I said, no, no, you worked in Mozambique in 2000. That it was five years earlier. You worked with the United Nations, didn't you? And she's like, yeah. I said, you know who I am? I'm John Ben. I worked for Emma. She said, no, John, you're the guys that kidnapped us. Kidnapped me. We really did. We really did. We kidnapped her one day because we wanted to show her a refugee camp that she didn't have the time to look at. And the helicopter pilot took off while she was in it and showed her. That's another story. <laughs> and she said to me, look, there's no way we can use that helicopter. It's just too busy, but I'm going to give you the pilot's name anyway. So why don't you phone him and just see how busy he is? So she gives me the phone. Now, this is in Sri Lanka, guys. And I phone him, and he picks up the phone. He says, hello, this is France speaking. Can I help you? I said, how's it, France? My name's John Ben. He says, John Ben? He says, I, I, knew, a, I knew a Padre Ben in the Air Force. I said, they are France. Hoodspray, wasn't it? 
Yes, sir. I said, France, that helicopter. Hey, Padre, I think we can make a plan. <laughs> now, folks, you know what? <laughs> the level of coincidences there, in my mind, is just too many. There are just simply too many coincidences there. And I know that you can say they, they aren't. But guys, I choose to believe that in that moment, God provided America. We got the water, got it there, we put it in. It was pumping clean water when I left three days later. You see, I believe in miracles because I hold a worldview that there is another world out there and that sometimes that world steps into our world in an unusual way. I believe in miracles because the faith that I hold to with all my heart demands that I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles because I don't think the science and the Bible contradict each other. I believe in miracles because I have seen them and because I have experienced them myself still sometimes think that Christians are crazy for believing in miracles, but I'm glad to be that kind of crazy. But I do hope that the Christians that you encounter and the Christians that we are here are not those crazy kind that demand miracles all the time. I've recently discovered a fascinating author by the name of Douglas Coupland, who's a Canadian who grew up in a completely un-God family. There was nothing. When he, as an adult, he went to church for the first time. It was the first time he had ever, ever gone into church. The stuff he writes about is crazy. But this is what he says. When we constantly ask for miracles, we're unraveling the fabric of the world. A world of continuous miracles would not be a world, it would be a cartoon. He's right. You see, if we simply go around saying, God, make an exception, 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 we won't live in a natural world, we will live in a chaotic cartoon world. If you want to know what that world looks like, just go and watch a little bit of Bruce Almighty. Don't watch the whole movie. Just where, where, you know, he just gets the power of God and what does he do? He says yes to everything. And so everybody wins the lottery. They just only win like a dollar fifty each. But he's right. See, we as Christians must stop demanding miracles. Doesn't mean we can't ask for them. The other side of that scale, David Ben-Gurion, famous Israeli general and prime minister said this, anyone who does not believe in miracles is not a realist. Folks, Christians are a bit crazy. Christians have become crazy about miracles and we shouldn't and, and if we've done that, we ask for your forgiveness. But you see, we do live in a world where from time to time, God does step in. In fact, not from time to time. He's always in it. But sometimes, he disrupts the nature of things. Not so that we get what we want but so that we can better understand who he is. 
You see, that's why Jesus did all those miracles all those years ago, not to show off, not to show how great and how wonderful and how good and how awesome he was. That's not why he did them. Like those preachers who stand up and and do miracles so that people will think they are wonderful. He didn't do that. Why did he do those miracles? Because he wanted to show the world what the world is going to look like one day when we live by God's rules. When there will be no more poverty, when there will be no more discrimination, when there will be no more sickness, when there will be no more disease, when everybody will have enough. That's the world that Jesus is showing through his miracles. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. Yes, we are crazy, but we will continue being crazy because we serve a God of miracles. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you do miraculous things. Thank you that you are a God of miracles. Lord, forgive us that we so often abuse that. That we so often make it about ourselves. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the miracles that you've given me. Lord, thank you for the miracles that you will give us. Lord, thank you for those miracles that will show people who do not yet know you that you love them. As we sing this last song, I'm going to